Hi, welcome to the Holds of Mark podcast show, and today I am doing The Reaper's Image by Stephen King. He moved it last year, and quite an operation it was too, Mr. Catlin said as they mounted the stairs. Had to move it by hand, of course. No other way, he shot it against accident. With Lloyd's before we even took it out of the case in the drawing room, I only found it that would ensure for the sum we had in mind. Spangler said nothing. The man was a fool. Johnny Spangler had learned a long time ago that the only way to talk to a fool was to annoy him. He showed it for a quarter of a million dollars, Mr. Catlin resumed, when he reached the second floor, landing his mouth quirked in a half-bitter, half-humorous line. A pretty penny it cast, too. He was a little man, not quite fat, with rimless glasses and a tanned, bald head that shone like a varnished volleyball. A suit of armour, guarding the ugly shadows of the second-floor corridor, stared at him impressively. He's a long carrier, corridor. The Spangler eyed the walls and hangings with a cool, professional eye. Samuel Kirklet had brought in corporate qualities, but had no doubt, but he had but brought well, like so many of the self-made industry emperors of the late 1800s, he had been little more than a pawn shop router, masquerading in collector's clothing, a connoisseur of canvases, monstrosities, trashy novels, poetry collections, expensive cobweb buildings, atrocious pieces of art, sculpture, all which he considered art. Up here, the walls were hung. Festooned was perhaps a better word. With imitation, welcome drapes, num num. Numberless, and no doubt anonymous, Madonna's are holding out numerous hollowed babies, while numerous angels flitted hither and thither in the background, grotesque scrolled candelabra, and one monstrous and obscene of late candelabra, surmounted by severely grinning nymphette. Of course, the old poet had come up with a few interesting items, not all averages that minded it. And if Samuel Cruggett Memorial Private Museum guided tours on the hour, a vision, one dollar, adults, five, fifty cents, children, nauseating, was ninety cent percent blatant junk. It was always the other two percent things, like the coon's long rifle over the heath in the kitchen and a small little camera skewing the parlour, one of cool. And of course, the, the deputy deliverer looking glass was removed from downstairs after a rather unfortunate incident, Mr. Grannon said, patrolling abruptly, motivated apparently by the ghastly, glaring portrait of no one in particular at the base of the next staircase. <coughs> it had been others. <coughs> Ash words, wild words, wild statements. This was an attempt to actually destroy the mirror. The woman and Miss Sandra Bates came in from a rock in a bucket. Fortunately, Ray was bare, and only cracked a mid corner of the case. The mirror was unharmed. A Bates cat had a brother. All need to give me that dollar, Spencer said quietly. I'll come first with the history of the day of Aglaeus. Fascinating, isn't it? Carl Cohen cast him an odd, bleak look. 
The other dad was an English Duchess in 1709 and in the Pennsylvania rug market, market merchant in 1746, not to mention a converse of the history. Spangler repeated quietly, it's about what I'm interested in. Of course, there's a question of authenticity. Authenticity? Mr. Catlin chuckled a drying sound if bones are stirred in cover below the stairs. If they'd been examined by experts, Mr. Strangler, there was a limerent stratovarius. So true, Mr. Cullen said with a sign, but no stratovarius ever had a quite and a certain effect of a diva glance. Very quiet. Yes, quite, Spangler said in his softer, softly contemptuous voice. He understood now that there would be no stopping Catlin. He had a, he had a mind which was perfectly in tune with the age. Quiet. Quiet, they climbed a third and fourth flight flights in silence. As they drew closer to the roof of Ramley's structure, it became personally hot in the dark upper galleries with the heat came a creeping stench of Spagel and New Well. He spent all his ever life working in it. The smell of dead flies and shadowy corners, a wet rot of creeping wood lights behind the plaster. Smell of age. It was a very. It was a smell common, only to museum of loser names. He imagined with the same smell might arise from the grave of a virginal young girl, forty years dead. Up here, relics of power held a skeleton in true trunk cell provision. Mr. Catley and Spagler, for a maze of stationary frames, splintered portraits, pompous. Papyrus gold plated bird cages, a disembodied skeleton of an ancient tandem bike school. It led into the floor, far wall, where a statlet had been set up beneath a trap door in the ceiling. A dusty paddock hung from the trap. Off to the left, as it imitated Adios, stared at them pitilessly, a blank pupil's eyes, pupil's eyes. One arm was outstretched, a yellow sign hung, a wrist which read, Absolutely no admittance. Mr. Catley produced a key ring from his jacket pocket, selected the key and mounted the stepladder. He paused on the third rung, his bald head gleaming faintly in the shadows. I don't like this mirror, he said. I never did. I'm afraid to look at it. I'm afraid if I might look into it one day, you see, all the rest of them saw. They saw nothing but themselves, Strangler said. Mr. Cohen began to speak, stopped, shook his head and fumbled remotely above him, cranking his neck to fit the key properly into the lock. Should be, should be replaced, he muttered. It's a dent down. The lock sprung suddenly and sprung out of the, out of the grass. Mr. Catlin made a fumbling grab at it, almost fell off the ladder. Spengler caught it definitely, definitely, and looked up to him. He was clinging, shaking to the top of that ladder. Face white and brown, semi-darkness. Yeah, you nervous about it, aren't you? Spangler said to him in mildly wandering tone. Said in a mildly wandering tone. Mr. Catlin said nothing. He seemed paralysed. Calm down, Spangler said. Please, before before you fall. Catlin descended ladder slowly, clinging to each rung like a man tottering over a bottler's crescent. His feet touched the floor. It began to babble as if its floor contained some current. I had turned it on like an electrical light. 
quarter of a million, he said. Quarter of a million dollars worth of shots. Take that. Things from down there up to here. That goddamn thing. I had a big special block and tackle to get it. So grab a store room up there. I was hoping, almost praying, that someone fingers that went would be slippery. That a rope might be a lot wrong test, and that things might fall and be shattered in a million pieces. Facts, Spangler said. Facts, Kathleen. Not cheap paperback novels. Not cheap tabloid stories or equally cheap horror movies. Facts. Number one. John Denver was an English craftsman of Norman descent who made mirrors in what we call the Elizabethan period of England. History. He lived and died uneventfully. Uneventfully. No pinnacles scrawled on the floor for the housekeeper to wrap out. No sofas to running documents but spots of blood on the dotted line. Number two. His mirrors have been come a collector's item due to apprentice to the fine craftsmanship and to the fact that his former crystal was used as mildly magnifying distorting effect upon the eye of the holder a rather distinctive frames mark number three only five dealers remain in existence to a present knowledge two of the administrate America their price is number four this deva and one that was destroyed in London Blitz have gained a rather suspicious reputation due largely to falsehood and exaggeration and coincidence. Fact number five, Kathleen said. You're a superstitious bastard, aren't you? Spangler looked at with mild detention, detention at a blind-eyed adodis. Ah, I was guiding the tour that Sandra Brake's brother was part of when he took got a look at it in this into your previous David mirror, Spangle. He was perhaps seventeen, part of the highest school group. I was going around through history of the glass and just got to was going through the history of the glass and he was got to the part where, where you appreciate strolling the prayers. Craftsmanship, perfection of the glass itself. The boy raised his hands. What about a black spot in the upper hand corner? He said. Looks like a mistake. And one of his friends asked him what he meant. So Bates went. Very closely pushing the right up to the red velvet. God robed around the case. Then he looked behind him. See, he had seen there was a reflection of someone, someone in black. Standing on his shoulder, it looked like a man, he said. Standing, but I couldn't see the face, it's gone now. It was all go- that it was all. Go on, Sanders said. You're itching to tell me it was a reaper. I believe that it was a common explanation. It isn't an occasional crucifixion. I see the reaper image in the glass. Get it out of your system, man. That's your choir. We love it. Tell me about the horrific consequences of firing. Explain it. Was he later hit by a car? Did he jump out of a window? What? Oh, Mr. Chuckle chuckled. A forlorn little chuckle. You should know better, Spangle. Haven't you told me twice that you are conversed with the history of the Great of the Glass? There's no horrific consequences. 
He never had been. That's why the day of glass isn't Sunday, supplement like the core of me, where diamond of the old curse of the kingdom does too. So I'm mundane compared to those. You think I'm a fool, don't you? Yes, Fred said. Can we go go up now? Certainly, Mr. Crowglin said passionately. He climbed the ladder and pushed the trap door. There's a clickly clump, clackly bump as it was drawn up into the shadows of the counterweight. Then, Mr. Catlin disappeared into the shadows. Fangler followed. The blind and dullers stared, knowing, unknowing after them. The gable room was explosively hot, lit only by one cup of webbly, webbly multi-angled window, but filtered the hard outside of the light into a dirty, milky glow. The looking glass was propped at, the, at an angle to the light, catching most of it and reflecting a pearly patch into the far wall. It was not bolted securely into a wooden. Being bolted securely into a wooden frame, Mr. Catley was not looking at it. Quite sturdy, he's not looking at it. Yeah, but you haven't even put a desk over it, Bengal said, visibly angered for the first time. I think of it as an eye, Mr. Kirtlin said. His voice was still drained, perfectly empty. If I left it open, always open, perhaps I'll go blind. I'll go blind. Banger paid no attention. He took the, uh, off his jacket, folded the buttons carefully in, and with infinite gentleness he wiped the dust from the complex surface of the glass itself. He stood back and looked at it. It was genuine. There was no doubt of it. He never had been, really. It's a perfect example of Denver's greatest genius. The cluttered room reminded him of his own reflection. Cutler's half-turned figure. They were all clear, sharp, almost three-dimensional. The fat, faint magnifying effect of the glass gave everything a slightly curved effect that added an almost fourth-dimensional distortion. It was as if his fault broke off. He felt some, another wave of anger. Catelyn? Catelyn said nothing. Catelyn? Careful. I thought you said the girl didn't harm the mirror. No answer. Spangler stared at the ice at the mint glass. There's a piece of fraction tape in the upper left-hand corner. Did you crack it? Because tape man, speak up. You're seeing the reaper, Crowley said. His voice was deadly about passion. There's no fraction tape on the mirror. Put your hand over it. Dear God. Spangler wrapped the papers up a sleeve of his coat. Carefully ran around. His hand reached out and pressed it gently against the mirror. You see, nothing supernatural. It's gone. Oh, man, covers it. Covers it. Can you feel the, the tape? Why don't you pull it off? Spangler took his hand away. Carefully and looked into the glass. Everything seemed a little more distorted. A room odd. The room's odd angles seemed to be yawn. You're crazily as this verger sliding off into some unfilmed entity. There was no dark spot in the mirror. It was flawless. He felt his sunny, unhealthy dead dread rise in him and despised him for feeling it. It, it looked like him, doesn't it? Miss Catelyn asked. His face was very pale and he was almost directly looking directly at the floor. A muscle twitch, Spangler, muggedly in his neck. A minute, Spangler. It 
looks like a haunted figure standing before you, doesn't it? If it took it, it looked like a friction tape masking a, a soft crack. Like Spangler said very firmly, nothing was nothing more, nothing less. Bates boy is a very husky. Catelyn said rapidly, though his words seemed to drop into the hot still atmosphere, like stones into the dark water. Like a football player, he was wearing a leather sweater, dark green chindos. His half the upper half exhibits when the heat is making me feel ill, Spangler said a little uneasily, steadily. He'd taken out a, a handkerchief and wiping his neck. His eyes searched a convex surface on a window in small, jerky moments. When he wa- said he wanted to drink water, drink water for God's sake, Catelyn turned and stared wildly at Spangler. How was I to know? How did I know what was to know? Is it a lavatory? I think I'm going to... He sweater. I just caught a glance of his sweater along down the, the stairs. Then he's be sick. Catelyn took his shook his hand. It was as if to clear it and looked to the floor again. Of course, forward door on your left, second door to your tools. Says, you know. Catelyn shook his head as it was clear. He looked at the floor again. Of course, third door on the left, second floor. You know the stair towards the stairs. He looked up appealing. How was I to know? But to know. As Bang was already stepped down onto the ladder, he walked under his weight. Then, for a moment, Catelyn thought, hoped that he'd fall. He didn't. Through the open square in the floor, Catelyn watched him descend, holding his mouth lightly with one hand. Spangler. But he was gone. Catelyn listened for his footfalls, fade to echoes, then died away. When we, then, when they were, he shivered violently. He turned to move his own feet into the trap door, but it was frozen. Just that last hurried glimpse of the body sweater. God, it was as if a huge invisible hands were pulling his head, forcing it up. But not wanting to look, Catelyn stared into the glimmering depths of the deliver looking glass. There was nothing there. The room was reflected back at him, his faith, faithfully. His dusty confines transmuted into the glimmering infinity. A snatch of half-remembered Tennyson poem occurred to him, and, mu- mu- and he muttered it aloud. I am half sick of shadows, said a woman of Shalette. A shower, see. The room was reflected back to him faithfully. His dusty confines transmitted into glimmering infinity. A snatch of half remembered tenses by him occurred to him and muttered it aloud. I am half sick of shadows, said the lady of Shalat. And still he could not look around, and breathing stillness held him. From one corner to the other mirror, Voth-Eaton Buffalo appeared at him, 
with flat, obscene eyes. A boy wanted to drink water, and a fountain was in the first floor lobby. He had gone downstairs and never came back, ever. Anyway, like the Duchess who had passed, pulled over, brimming for a glass of salty, decided to go back in the sick room for her bells. Like Grandma, who had gone to the carriage room and left behind his only, only an empty carriage, two closed-mouthed horses. The Denver class had been in New York from 1897 to 1920, and been, but had been there when John Carter, Catelyn, Catelyn stared as if hypnotized in the shallow depths of the mirror. Below the blind-eyed Adonis kept watch. He waited for Spangler, just like the Bates family might have waited for their son, and like the Duchess and Puzzle must have waited for his wife to turn from the sitting room. He stared into the mirror and waited, and waited, and waited.